Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of Soccer New Rocket America. Oh, and am I ever going to quit scatting like that? Probably never. Anyway, thanks for joining us. And I will be joined, as always, not only by you, but by my co-host, nine-year-old daughter, Person Noob. Hello! Together, we aspire to bring you many match previews of the most important, intriguing footy matches anywhere on the entire planet. As long as it's in a domestic top flight or it's a big international tournament or a big club tournament, there's a pretty good chance that we are covering something from it and we define all that a little bit different than any other show as if you can tell by the theme song (laughs) we do a lot of things a little bit different or maybe a lot different this particular week we're going to be covering matches from friday the 25th through thursday the 31st with no further ado you know what let's dive right in with match number one we start off hot right out of the gate on Friday with a World Cup qualifying match from Africa. Here's how things stand there. They have reached the final stage. There are 10 teams remaining. They've been paired off. Each one is going to play a home and away two-legged tie with one of the other ones. The winners will get to go to the World Cup. And the five losers, well, they will have to go home and watch on television or Netflix and chill and stream something. I don't know. (laughs) In any case, we're only going to talk about this, the first match or any match from the finals, because the second matches are actually later on this week. Uh, For example, leg two between these two will be on Tuesday, the 29th. Uh, This match is going to be played in Cairo and you can catch it on ESPN Plus at 3.30 in the afternoon. We'll talk about our hosts first. The Pharaohs from Egypt, not a totally surprising nickname, but still pretty cool. They are rated number six in Africa and number 46 by FIFA. And they got drawn out of uh, the top of pot two, a little bit of an unlucky draw. Uh, they got drawn against number one Senegal, as we're talking about. So if they had only just been one spot higher, they could have completely avoided that. In any case, I found very much to my surprise, I assumed this was one of the more dominant African teams, but it turns out they've only made three World Cup appearances ever, including 2018, where they went 0-0-3. I don't know if they've earned any points or not ever at the World Cup, but I found very much to my surprise that they have never won a World Cup match. I guess I'm used to thinking about the league being arguably uh, the most dominant one on the continent, and not so much about uh, the the overall national team. Uh, in any case, they've had a little bit more luck at the AFCON in the most recent iteration, 2021. They finished runners-up, I believe, to Senegal. Uh, they are also number uh, B in 2017. 
earlier this century, they actually won three in a row, but then they didn't qualify for three in a row. Very up and down. In the group stage for this event, they went 4-2-0, and uh, beating the nations of uh, Gabon and Libya by seven points each. They were 10-4 uh, and four in goal differential, which were both group statistical bests. Key player for them to look for, in my opinion, is going to be the goalkeeper, Mohamed Abo Gabal. Yeah, he plays for uh, Zamalek, one of the best two or three clubs over there. Long in the soccer tooth at 33 years old. Kind of interesting international career. He only made one appearance in 2011 and then was never called up again for a decade. And yet now here he is. He's one of the tallest goalkeeper, goalkeepers I've ever seen at six foot five. Teams formed, they are 5-1 and one in their last six. Those were all in the AFCON. Three of those were scoreless draws, and uh, they went, had to win two of those on penalty kicks. Even at home, if they want to get off on the right foot against Senegal, I think they're going to have to be generating some more offense. And let's talk about the Lions from Senegal. Uh, they are rated number one, as I mentioned, on the continent. Number 20 in the world by FIFA. They have only been... Once again, a surprise to me, to the World Cup twice. Uh, 2002 was their better finish. They made the quarterfinals. Uh, last generation, 2018, they did get into the group stage, but no farther. And that uh, AFCON title that they just won, it turns out that was their best, or rather their only title, I should say. They got very close in 2019. They were runners-up. Current form for them, they are, or rather I should say at the group stage, they went 5-1-0 and and had a, a very impressive 15-4 goal differential. They ran away with the division and hit. They beat uh, second place uh, Togo by eight. Key player to look for in the event scoring leaderboard, Famarma Diedhiao, whose name I'm sure I'm butchering, a striker who plays for Turkish top flight club Alanya Spor right now, although English fans may well recognize him. Uh, not from Premier League days, but he spent the heart of his career right come before coming over to this Turkish club with Bristol City. As far as the team's current form, they have won four straight. That, of course, are the, those, of course, are the four that gave them the AFCON title. And they've been able to win in a variety of score situations, high and low scoring. So my money on them is to, at the very least, be able to get a result in Cairo. Match number B. You can flip your calendar to Saturday. And please take your weekly reminder that number B, not number you-know-what, is the one that is not bathroom talk, and we will encourage you to join our revolution and use it in your daily lives. Watch us in action right here. Match number B is from Guatemala's Liga Nacional. They're in the Clausura stage, or closing stage, second one of the 2021-22 season. Uh, according to Kick Algorithms, a site I really uh, find credible for this sort of stuff, they are the number five rated league in CONCACAF. I believe that that puts them as third best in all of Central America. As such, they max out and get three teams to the next CONCACAF League, which is a feeder tournament for the CONCACAF Champions League. They're just over halfway through the double round robin stage right now. And also, uh, as far as the league goes, the top eight will make the playoffs. Your matchup, number B in the table, Coban Imperial, taking on number one, Deportivo Malacateco. The table stands as follows. Uh, Malacateco lead Coban Imperial by two. We won't get into all the other clubs that are close because this is going to be a sensational race. We'll probably be visiting yet again in the coming weeks because there are five teams within five points of the lead. 
as far as the recent series between these two, it's been very close. Uh, Koban have a slight lead with an 11-7 and 10 record. Earlier this season when Malakateko hosted, they only managed a scoreless draw. We will talk about the Blue Princes of Koban Imperial first. I normally kind of slide over nicknames that have the color as one of the primary pieces or the sole piece. It's just rather uh, overdone in my opinion, but uh, I like the Blue Princes for some reason. That just really stands out for me. Another thing that stands out for me is their crest. They've got a thickly drawn sort of uh, sitting askew like it almost be about to fall off a uh, uh, dark old gold crown and i want to say it reminds me of the imperial margarine logo but i know that's not right because that's a blue one with a more stately crown and centered i wish it could re i wish i could remember what product logo it reminds me of because it's very cartoonish anyway um this town is a uh, right in the center of the country, uh, Koban. It's a major coffee growing area. Population is uh, just under a quarter million. A uh, little bit of interesting history for this area. The town was not founded by, but largely built up by uh, German immigrants in the 20th century. But they ended up getting booted out in 1941, World War related reasons, of course. And a lot of them, and I didn't know about this, ended up in internment camps and ended up having to have their safety traded for as POWs eventually woof anyway back to the footy that i could find record of they've only won the league title once domestically that was the clausura stage in 2004 uh in the apertura stage for the 21-22 season oh last stage didn't go their way at all they finished in 10th place that was third to last but this year they are standing on their defense they've got number one in the league in fact they're one of only two clubs in the league that are allowing less than one goal per match on average what offense they will see, tied for number three in league scoring with six, is, I'm going to pronounce it Henderson, but my uh, Portuguese is not very good. It might be a soft J or even silent, not sure. In any case, he is a Brazilian midfielder, 33 years old, but he's been in Guatemala for about the last eight seasons. As far as the team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three with an impressive 6-2 and goal differential. And now Malacateco, your visitors. Uh, that is a city of about 100,000. It's really near a smaller but uh, far more famous or infamous area called El Carmen. It's a, fam a famous crossing point. It's right on the border with Mexico. And so a lot of uh, immigrants have been moved through there and a whole lot of drugs have been moved through there. It was a big cartel uh, crossing area for a long time in the late 20th century. I believe it was Ortiz and the Sinaloa cartel. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about the football for Los Toros. Nice nickname. Uh, they've been around for a long time, but their first time in Division One was in 2004. And then they got demoted fairly quickly back to the second division. Made it back again, I believe, for good in 2010. Uh, last stage, they finished in fourth place. Not too bad, but even better in the Apertura. They were the playoff champions. And that's their first title of any kind, I believe. Don't look for a shootout in this match. Their offense is average at best, much like their hosts today. But they've got a top three defense. If they are going to get any goals, be looking out for a guy who's tied for third in the league in scoring named Jonathan Moran. He's a young midfielder for them. Uh, and he spent his first several seasons going all the way back to his teen years with Coban Imperial, interestingly. Match number three. 
Let's scoot down under for the first of our two exciting Sunday matches. Right at two, yeah, Australia for the A-League Women Champions Final. That means they're uh, determining who the playoff winner is going to be. The winners of the regular season, I believe that they call those the premiers. I know that's what they do on the men's side. And then the winner of the four teams' playoffs are definitely called the champions. And I don't think that they really value uh, either of those titles more than the other. Though take that with a grain of salt. No automatic uh, Asian Champions League berth on the line. That has not become a regular thing yet. I know they piloted it as a uh, four-team invitational back in 2019. Not certain whether or not they've held one since. But hey, they're still going after the hardware, and who wants it most? Sydney FC playing host or Melbourne Victory. Really interesting format for the playoffs. It's the four top teams, but it's the number one and the number B teams that face off, and the number three and number four in the semifinals. The winner of the first of those two matches goes all the way to the grand final. Meanwhile, the loser of that match will play the winner of the match between the number three and number four teams in a preliminary final to get to the grand final. Now, the series between these two, the last couple of years, has been dead even, 3-2 and 3 record for each of them. Both clubs were founded in 2008. Sydney, your hosts for this day, they have won the premier title four times and are the two-time defending titleists. They've also won the champions title three times, most recently 2018-2019. They were the runners-up in that regard last year. In the regular season, they beat Melbourne City by two points for that title. They finished 11 ahead of number four Melbourne victory in their uh, strangely unbalanced, uh, not quite a double round robin 14 match season. Anyway, the statistics make Sydney look just about unbeatable, and they nearly were. They've got the best offense, scoring over two and a half goals per match. The league's number one defense. They don't even average conceding a goal every other match. And that made their goal differential better than 50% better than anybody else in the league. Top scores, key player to look for, Courtney Vine, homegrown striker, 23 years old. And congratulations to her on her three national team caps. Uh, she has earned them all this year. And then their number one goalkeeper by lot. She is very popular in the country, especially for her indigenous ancestry, in addition to obviously her great soccer goalkeeping, is Jada Wyman. She got 10 clean sheets in her presumed 14 appearances and is just 22 years old. We're going to be hearing her name for a while. She's gotten plenty of uh, U-20 national team action, but no senior team call-ups yet. Those are certainly coming, though. Team's current form, they have won three straight and have an outstanding 8-3 and three goal differential in that stretch. And now, your underdogs coming to town. Melbourne victory. Uh, last year, they finished number three in the regular season, and they were your playoff champions. They've won the uh, premier title one time. That was in 2018-19. They've won the champions title twice. 2019, they were the first ever Australian team to uh, play in that pilot women's champions league for Asia that I mentioned. They finished last place there. Uh, they beat Melbourne City in the preliminary final 1-3 to to advance. So that was a really impressive road win for them to get. But they barely made the playoffs. In fact, they were tied for Perth Glory on points in the regular season and only got that number four spot because they were ahead by seven on goal differential. Their stats on the season, not that impressive, which just tells me this must be one uh, gritty, gutty club. They uh, had a below-average offense and just barely a top-four defense. Uh, best player that they've got 
overall is an offensive player. She's got six goals and one assist. An attacker from the USA, Catherine Zimmerman. Uh, if her name is familiar to American fans beyond the Aussie borders, she did play a few matches for uh, New Jersey, New York, Gotham in 2016-17. She may have played longer for them or other places in between. I know she came to this club in 2020. I couldn't find any record of what she was doing in between, though, footy-wise anyway. She is an excellent shooter as far as percentage goes, and she's also a very good tackler. She doesn't like to let other teams get back on the counter too easily, apparently. And we've got a couple of other USA connections. They've got two defenders named Kayla Morrison and Brooke Hendricks. So for those of you on this particular side of the pond, perhaps this is the team that you would like to root for. Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three with a 5-2 and two goal differential. Match number four. We bring it back home for our other Sunday match. Number four is the penultimate match day of World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF. And the match that we, and well, quite frankly, everybody is going to be talking about is doing their own podcasts like these. Number B in the qualifying table, USA, taking on number five, Panama. The recent series between these two, as you would imagine, the Americans have had the better of it with a 10-4-2 record. Uh, the USA is really looking to get three points out of this one, that would probably all but guarantee that they qualify. If Panama doesn't at least get a result, I believe that they are out. It is Costa Rica that is in between the two. Panama currently trail Costa Rica, yes, by one, and they trail the USA and Mexico by four in the table. When these two played back in October in Panama, they pulled the home upset with a 1-0 win. You can catch this one on TUDN or Fox Sports 1 at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And because you can get such deep dives so many places, instead of talking in depth about this one in a mini match preview, let's do as we always do this time of podcast and figure out how we're going to gamble and make some money off this thing. 3,500 year old soccer prognosticator, well, general prognosticator, but we've been using him for football. Noob Stradamus is here to have a drug aided or drug adult vision. Take it away, my old, old old friend. And I thought the Federation Plains of Greece were merciless. Hello from the saddest place on earth. Tis I, Noobstradamus, in Orlando and forlorn. Divination, space and time, whee, soccer score, blah blah blah. How could you send me here? Did you know, Noob? It's closed. Epcot experience is closed forever. Now it's the stupid Odyssey Events Pavilion or whatever. Sadness reigns in all my centuries and travels. Epcot experience was my most beloved and repeated stopping point. Always demonstrating the exciting innovations and new attractions soon to come to the park. How am I to best plan my future visits? Um, could you not prognosticate? Quiet, heretic. And I'll tell you how your full footy match will go. Zero, zero. No World Cup qualification this day for the U.S. No joy for anyone. Weep, noob. Weep for what is lost. Blarg! Match number five. 
We take Monday off from our tracking and pick things up on Tuesday for more World Cup qualifying action. In Europe, UEFA has reached its second round final. What does that mean? Well, there are six teams remaining. They've been paired off, and they're each only going to play one match, not a two-legged home-and-away tie, at the higher-seeded team's venue. The winners go to the World Cup, losers go home. And your matchup. The one that looked most intriguing to us was Poland versus Sweden. You can catch this on ESPN Plus at 2.45 Eastern Time U.S. Match is going to be played in the city of Corzo. Now, it was supposed to be played in Warsaw, big national stadium, but that is being used as a temporary hospital due to the Russian invasion uh, in Ukraine, unfortunately. Series between these two, they've only played once in recent years, perhaps even if at all, and that match happened to go to Sweden. But they will be going to Poland for this one at a little bit of a disadvantage against the Eagles. Poland is ranked number 19 by UEFA and number 28 worldwide by FIFA. They've been to the World Cup eight different times. They didn't get out of the group stage last year. Their best results uh, came in the 70s and 80s. They finished number three two different times. This year in this event's group stage, they finished uh, in second place, hence the reason they're in the second round. They finished six points behind England. They second best offense and defense, and their offense was really stunning. They were getting three goals per match on the dot. And then to advance to this particular match, they should have had to win one other one, but they were awarded a walkover over disqualified Russia for the obvious uh, inter, <laughs> uh, international reasons. Tied for number third in event scoring, no surprise for them. It is the great Robert Lewandowski. He's got eight goals for the tournament. And we have a USA connection over here. Uh, Adam Buxa, he plays forward for New England Revolution, and he has made five national team appearances already. He's been with New England since 2020, all uh, in his young career. He's been with all uh, Polish clubs before that. Team's current form, they are 0-1-1, which isn't much to look at, I realize. But even when they've been getting wins, I think it's noteworthy that they have not been keeping almost any clean sheets uh, the last, oh, probably dozen appearances they've made. Now, is that a chink in the armor that Sweden can take advantage of? This should be a very even match, hence the reason we picked it. Number 20 ranked in UEFA. Number uh, 17 I've got noted here by FIFA. The rankings are always fluid depending on... Uh, which months you're looking at. I believe the UEFA ones were from back in uh, probably October or November. And obviously that ranking will go up just because that seems a little weird. I wanted to clarify it. Uh, Sweden has made 12 World Cup appearances. They also played in 2018 and made the quarterfinals. They have finished in third place three different times, most recently 1994. Uh, in the group stage, they finished four points behind uh, Spain. And in their last match, uh, to get to this one, they had to beat the Czech Republic. It took added extra time to get that 1-0 win. In the group stage, they had the second-best offense and defense. Uh, they didn't score as much or defend as well as Poland did. But I'm not necessarily inclined to say that Poland is automatically the better team because obviously they're, all, you know, they're both playing against different teams. There could be a lot of different dynamics regarding that. Top 10 event scorer with six goals is Timu Puki, and he's got 100 national team caps, I believe, coming into this one, and Premier League fans will know him well, although they'll be uh, Champions League fans following him next year, almost certainly mathematically, as he is currently with Norwich City. Team's current form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three, uh, with a non-intimidating 1-3 goal differential.
Mm, curious kitties, it seems, wish to know just exactly how last week's matches went. Let's give them a recap, and for you as well. Friday last week, match number one was the FA Cup from Qatar, the Amir Cup between all Duhail and all Garafa, and it was Duhail coming out on top in a route 5-1. Uh, man, we highlighted Michael Alunga had the game-winning goal, which means he had the second one, and it means Duhail will get to certainly skip the qualifying rounds of the next Asian Champions League, and Garafa will be sitting at home for the postseason. Saturday, match number B for Major League Soccer. We had LA Galaxy taking on Orlando, and Orlando got an important road win, even though it is early, no one. Man, we profiled, Ersan Kara had an assist. Orlando moves up to number five in the east, and that knocks LA Galaxy down to number seven in the west. Match number three, a Sunday match from France's League One. Number B, Marseille took on number three, Nice. Marseille pulled things out two to one. That knocked Nice down to number four and out of their precarious first for a Champions League spot. Match number four from England's FA Cup. We went minnow watching one more time. Nottingham in the quarterfinals getting to play host to Liverpool, and they fought valiantly. But the Tricky Trees lost nil one to Liverpool. Good for them for getting so far. Match number five was from La Liga in Spain. Number one, Real Madrid took on number four, Barcelona. And Barcelona, despite all their financial issues, continued to suddenly be red hot the last couple of months. They put on a show, and they won nil to four. You'd almost think it was a typo, but it's not. And that moves them up to number three, well into the Champions League slots. Wednesday, match number five from the U.S. Open Cup first round. Team noob favorite Des Moines Menace, because we used to, live, used to live in that general area, played host to Minneapolis City, and it was the League Two gentlemen from Des Moines coming out victorious 4-2. Congratulations and good luck against USL League One Union Omaha in a week or so. Uh, Thursday, match number seven from UEFA World Cup qualifying the second round. Wow, we had number uh, we had number three overall seed from the remaining teams, Italy, taking on number nine, North Macedonia. And would you believe that for the second iteration in a row, Italy is not going to the World Cup? North Macedonia still has to win one more game to get there, but Italy is out. They gave up the late goal and lost nil one. Just absolutely a stunning result. Match number eight was from CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. Mexico and USA played to a nil-nil draw. Uh, USA will play Panama uh, later on in the week. Match number nine uh, from the AFC World Cup qualifying group stage. Australia played host to Japan, needing to get a result of some kind to stay alive. But it was the favorites of Japan coming out on top, nil-two. And then match number 10 was from Conmebol World Cup qualifying, number four, Uruguay, and number five, Peru. And it was Uruguay sealing up their berth with a 1-0 win. And then your three bonus matches with explanations to be coming later. Your route of the week was a Sunday match from the Premier League of Zimbabwe between number 18, last place, Cranbourne Bullets, and number one, Manica Diamonds. And surprising, they didn't pull off the upset, but they did get a surprising result. 1-1 was the final score. It's early in the season there, and I think Cranbourne are probably a mid-table team, honestly. And that knocked Manica Diamonds down to number two. Then the most meaningless match in the world Sunday from the Superliga of Denmark was between number eight, AGF, and number seven, Gibo. And that was also a 1-1 draw. No change in table position for either team, as is appropriate for such a meaningless match. And then finally, your match of disappointed, a Wednesday match from the Girabola of Angola. 
with number 15, Cabu score, which I thought had folded and therefore got to make fun of them because of their mid-season collapse. But it turns out they're still playing. And they did play number 16 in last place, Sporting Day Benguela, and they even won the match 2-1. to one. Still, there was no change in table position. Uh, they're still really bad. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive right back in to the upcoming week's matches with... Match number 6. Same day of the week, more World Cup qualifying, but of course a different confederation. Join me in swinging over to South America for CONMEBOL, where they are at the very last match days of their double round robin 18 to 18 match tournament. Now, the four teams that have automatically qualified for the World Cup, they're safe. What's at stake still is fifth place. Whoever can finish there after this last match day will still be alive for a World Cup berth. They would have to beat a team that won the fourth qualifying round over from the Asian Confederation for the right to go to the World Cup. And the match we're going to look at is number five, Peru, versus admittedly already eliminated Paraguay. Here's how the table stands. Uh, Peru, it's winning your end, but they really might need that win because they lead Colombia by just one and Chile by only two. A draw just may not be good enough. As far as the series between these two combatants, Peru have had the better of it the last couple, three years with a 7-2-2 record. However, Paraguay did manage a 2-2 draw when they played earlier in this event at their place. You can catch this match on television on in-demand pay-per-view HD, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time in the U.S. if you so choose. Let's talk about the team that hasn't yet been eliminated, Peru. They're rated number five in CONMEBOL, so no real surprise that this is where they're finding themselves in this table. They're rated 22nd in the world by FIFA. They've been to the World Cup five different times. Uh, last year, or not last year, but last generation 2018, they did not get out of the group stage. Their best ever finish, they made the quarterfinals back in 1970. Now, despite their uh, pretty average and decent seating, I am surprised uh, that they've been able to hang on this long in the table because their offense has just about been non-existent. They've only been averaging one goal per match the entire time. And it's not like they're playing small ball, or if they are, they're doing it unsuccessfully and uh, hanging on, you know, getting their victories by defense. Their defense has been average at best. Now, what little offense they are getting, man, to look for, Christian Cueva, a young attacking midfielder, Good dribbler, really fun to watch with his quick changes of pace, even when he's covered. He is just hard to get the ball from. Fundamentally excellent. And he plays for a very excellent club, Al-Fateh, over in Saudi Arabia. Now, he has made several European stops before. Most recent one was with uh, Matalya Spor over in League One in uh, Turkey. Almost couldn't think of the country name for a moment. And yes, Liga MX fans, if you recognize the name, he did have a cup of coffee with Pachuca back in 2020. We've got some USA connections, the one I'll mention. By name is Pedro Gallese. He is their captain and goalkeeper. Best player on the squad, probably. Plays for Orlando in MLS currently. And he has nearly 88, uh, or rather, he has 88 national team appearances to his credit. They've got a couple other MLS players. And if they advance on, we will talk about more of them. But not today. As far as the team's current form, they are 0-1. Or rather, they just suffered, I should say, an 0-1 loss at Uruguay, that broke a six-match unbeaten streak. Their goal differential overall still very impressive, 11-3 and three over that entire stretch. And now, coming to town, and with the worst offense in the event, 
Paraguay, will they be able to score? That's the big question. Their defense has been below average as well. It is no wonder that they are eliminated. Now, historically, they've been pretty good. They do have seven World Cup appearances. Uh, they haven't made it for the last couple iterations. Uh, 2010 was the most recent. They made the quarterfinals. And in fact, that's the best they've ever done. Team event scoring leader, what very little they're getting. He's got four goals. That might be all they've just about had. Not really, but close enough for the joke. Angel Romero, he's a winger, plays for Cruz Azul. I'm not even sure they're going to start him in this one, to be perfectly honest. They may just go with younger guys, you know, see what they've got since they've already been eliminated, but we shall see. Uh, we do have another USA connection. Sebastian Ferreira plays forward for them, and he's in his first year with Houston Dynamo in MLS. Team's current form, they just got a 3-1 win over Ecuador, and that was their first victory in seven matches. And get this, in the matches before that, in that stretch, they did not score a single goal. Match number seven. And now we'll jet set over to Asian World Cup qualifying action also on Tuesday. It's the last match day. Now, here's how things stand. There are two groups of six. The top two from each group have already or are already going to be going on to the World Cup. We actually know who they are from both groups. And then the number three finishers will face off in the Inter-Confederation playoff uh, for a berth in the World Cup against the Common Bowl number five, which we were just talking about. The only thing at stake is in this particular group, the number three finisher has three candidates still fighting it out. The match we're going to talk about is number three UAE. They're in the driver's seat for it versus number one in the group, South Korea. Now, South Korea and Iran blew out all the other teams in this group. We've known they're advancing for a very long time. But in terms of getting into that ICPO, it's win and they move on for uh, United Arab Emirates. They lead Iraq by one point, Lebanon by two points, and they also lead both of them by exactly five, a goal differential, which could very much end up coming into play as tight as things are. Now, here's who the other two are playing. Iraq play last place Syria, so it could be advantage them. Lebanon look like they have the worst of it because they're the furthest back and they're playing uh, number B in the table, Iran. But here's the thing. All three of the opponents for all three of these teams still, still left alive don't have anything really to play for. So it's going to be interesting to see who plays starters and who plays uh, reserves, uh, particularly more youthful ones, trying to get them some experience, just like we talked about a little bit with Paraguay and Conmebol. So let's take things at face value and uh, talk about both these matches, by the way, or talk about both these teams. South Korea have not lost in recent years, if ever, uh, to UAE. The record series that I saw, or series record, was 4-0-0 for South Korea. And they beat them 1-0 earlier in this qualifying event. United Arab Emirates. They're actually rated pretty highly. Number six in all of Asia. Number 67 in the world by FIFA. Interesting side note for their team, and I don't know if this is by rule or coincidence, but it feels like it would be an awfully big coincidence. All of their players are with UAE clubs, and I know it's not that they don't have players that play in other confederations or other leagues. I wonder if that <clears throat> makes them by rule ineligible within their own FA. Just kind of interesting. 1990 was the only World Cup appearance this team has ever made. They didn't get any wins uh, or draws for that matter. Now, they've had better uh, fortune in, Asia, in the Asian Cups. Uh, two of the last three, the 2017 and 2019 version, that's the Confederation uh, Championship over there, by the way. They finished in third and fourth place, respectively. 
So this is a team that's used to getting some success. Now, in this particular group stage, they have gone two, three, and four. The reason they're not doing a little bit better and have insulted this uh, ICPO birth away is their offense. Their goal differential is just six and seven. Now, in their favor, they are the only team in this group, other than the top two, obviously, that have actually managed to win multiple matches. This probably really is the best team of the remaining contenders. Number one event score is actually theirs, but he did apparently, or the whole team did all their scoring fairly early on in the previous qualifying rounds. Nevertheless, with 14 goals is Ali Mabkut. He is their striker and he plays for Al Jazeera. Very good team there in the UAE. And it's the only place that he ever seems to want to be because he has been with them since 2008 and made 245 appearances in the league with that club. He's also gotten well over 100 national team appearances uh, under his cap since uh, 2009. Team's current form isn't so great. They're just 1-0-4 in their last five. Uh, that includes matches both in this event and uh, the Arab Cup. And in those losses, like I said, the offense has just evaporated. They didn't get any goals. So coming to pay a visit and continue an undefeated run is South Korea. They are known as the Warriors or the Tigers of Asia. They're ranked number three in the Confederation, number 37 worldwide. Uh, they qualified for all the World Cups since 1984. This is one of your continental powers. They haven't gotten past the group stage in the last two. Best they've ever done is number is a fourth place finish, 2002. What's interesting is they're ranked so highly, but they haven't, not only have they not won a World Cup, but they haven't even won an Asian Cup since uh, all the way back in 1960, and yet they're rated third. Very interesting. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride, perhaps, as they say, if we can <clears throat> use that and move it over to soccer. Uh, the table stands as such for them. South Korea lead Iran by one. And sure, it'd be nice if they won the qualifying stage, but it really doesn't matter. Finishing in first or second place doesn't directly mean anything for uh, how you're going to be potentially drawn out for uh, your seeds and placements when it comes to the actual World Cup. In the group stage, they are 7-2-0, the very nice 13-2 goal differential that ties them with Iran on goals, and they have the best defense, having only given up those just those two. On the event scoring leaderboard, no real surprise here. Sun Hyung Min plays for the dreaded Tottenham Hotspur of the Premier League. Team's current form, uh, not only have they won seven straight matches, but they haven't lost this year, nor did they lose in the entirety of last year, not even a friendly. So it seems like no matter who they play, I think they're going to have a very distinct advantage and at least get a result, if not maybe even a win, against UAE today. Match number eight. Now, we've looked at World Cup qualifying from every single confederation but one. No, we didn't forget about you, Oceana. And you're having yours on Wednesday. This is the final, but the winner doesn't get to go automatically to the World Cup. Now, the two teams that are playing in the final are Solomon Islands and New Zealand. And they're hosting this in Qatar. They've been doing neutral site single matches between these teams. Although, truth be told, a lot of the matches have been uh, canceled along the way because of COVID outbreaks for different teams. It's been really unfortunate. But we do have two teams that are actually going to be able to play. And the winner does not get to go to the World Cup. To earn their way to the World Cup, they've got to win this and then beat the number four finisher in CONCACAF in one of those inter-confederation playoffs. 
Now, New Zealand have had the best of it. They've got a 5-2-0 and record. No real surprise there. New Zealand are far and away the best team remaining in Oceania now that Australia has uh, moved on a decade and more uh, over to the Asian Confederation. Wouldn't stun me, in fact, if New Zealand doesn't follow suit eventually. I know there's been talk about them wanting to, or certain people in the FA wanting them to anyway. So, instead of talking about the match, which New Zealand will almost certainly win, let us take this opportunity to use soccer as our excuse to learn about culture. And by culture, as I usually mean, it is food. I wanted to learn about something from Kiwiana, which, no, that's not a place. That refers to food and cultural things that are distinctly from New Zealand in origination. And one of them is called Hokey Pokey, and it's a type of ice cream. It's vanilla, and I'm not sure if this would be my favorite, but I know at the very least my wife would love it. Lumps of honeycomb toffee is how it is currently made. Actually, right up until 1980, from what I read, they used solid solid toffee in there instead of these smaller, softer lumps. But the New Zealand, uh, uh, one of the main makers, uh, Tip Top, changed it. Now, that phrase, hokey pokey, that's an interesting name for a type of ice cream. Well, it's probably a corruption from what I've read, and this is uh, argued, but uh, of one of several different Italian phrases like uh, oce poco, which means just a little. So if you say it really fast and you don't know Italian, you can kind of hear how hokey pokey might come out of that. Now, hokey pokey was also a name for ice cream vendors specifically in uh, Britain and in New York City all the way through the 1800s and even into the early 1900s. So kind of an interesting tie in there. And then uh, sometimes Hokey Pokey will refer to, or at least did in this period, to a multicolored cake-like ice cream. Any which way you slice it, it's always going to have something to do with ice cream. I would say now go ahead and go try to find it, enjoy it while you're watching this or other World Cup qualifiers. But if you're in the States or Europe, this is going to be really, really hard to get. My understanding is that other than obviously in New Zealand, of course, that it's only marketed in uh, what I read said Japan and other Pacific countries, which I assume means some of the comparatively nearby island countries. So maybe you could check your local Asian grocery store freezer section to see if they have it. But good luck. But hey, find me on Twitter if you do at Soccer, New- Soccer Noob USA. I would love to get some from my honey. Number nine. One more Wednesday match, and we're bringing it back to the United States. It's our version of the FA Cup called the U.S. Open Cup, which is still playing its first round. Last week, all of the first round matches got played except for one that got canceled due to weather. So it is the only U.S. Open Cup match scheduled for this week. It was an easy one to decide on. We're going to talk about Lynchburg FC versus Nova or Northern Virginia FC. I've actually seen it very specifically both ways, but it seems to always refer to the same team. Now, the U.S. Open Cup is going to have uh, all the professional teams from the top three levels of U.S. soccer, as well as the non-professional sides, but they've got to start in this preliminary or first round. That's going to be teams from the fourth level or semi-pro or very high-end amateur soccer, and then a number of local qualifiers that came up through presumably entirely amateur leagues. Let's talk about these two. 
Lynchburg. Uh, that city, if you're unfamiliar, is right in smack dab in the middle of Virginia. It's uh, got about 80,000 people right in the foothills of Appalachia. Uh, it's home to Liberty University and uh, economically really a little bit surprising for Appalachia if you want to get away from the stereotype. They do a lot of uh, nuclear tech work there and a lot of pharmaceutical work, a couple of the pieces of the spine of their economy. Now, they got to enter in uh, the, they had to enter in the second qualifying round of four qualifying rounds. So they have played or were supposed to play three different games to get here. Uh, they ended up getting a second qualifying round forfeit from a league called uh, from a league team that was called the WSL, which is in USASA. That's Adult Soccer Association Region One, Aegean Hawks. But then they did have to play in the third and fourth qualifying rounds. Uh, they beat a team called Rockville SC from Maryland, and then a team out of somewhere in Illinois called either Martisa or Maritza. I think it's Maritza, and then I missed it in my notes here. And they won those games 0-3 and 1-0, respectively. Now, this team plays in the, U, uh, in the UPSL, which is a fourth division league, so they might be semi-pro. In any case, it's the same level as USL League 2, which is where the Des Moines Menace that we talked about last week is from. Uh, in the 2021 spring season, uh, this team went 10-1-1 in their seven-team DMV division, which I assume the V is Virginia and is likely to be all uh, D.C. Metro and Virginia teams. At least I'm guessing that's what the acronym stands for. Uh, they had the number one offense uh, scoring over three and a half goals per match. Just dominant. Nearly twice as many as anybody else. It's not like it's a league with no defense. And speaking of, they also had the number one defense. And now we'll talk about the team out of Leesburg, Virginia. That is Nova, or Northern Virginia FC. Now, Leesburg is about 30 miles uh, northwest of D.C. It's uh, largely becoming a commuter area now. Even if you follow some lower division soccer in the U.S., it could be that this team isn't totally familiar to you because they've changed names a couple of times. They were founded in 1998 as the North Virginia Royals. And uh, by the way, they also appear to have a USL2 team. I don't want to lose sight of that, both as the Northern Virginia Royals and now. In any case, take all of this with a little grain of salt. I was able to find just a little less information about them. 2021, they finished in second place in their five-team Mid-Atlantic division of their overall league. I'm actually not sure quite how they qualified. Finishing in the top two was good enough to get them into, I believe it was the UPSL National Playoffs, but uh, they had to enter in one of the mid-rounds and lost almost immediately. So I'm not exactly sure how this all worked. Lo, I am still new, but that's okay. We will know more than we did before. In their division, they had the second-best offense, scoring over two goals per match, and the second-best defense. Uh, they lost out to FC Baltimore in that league. Uh, they became affiliated to uh, DC United, the Major League Soccer uh, team, in 2015, but I'm not sure they still are. When that happened, I believe, was when they rebranded to Evergreen Hammers. I think DC United had uh, two or three different teams that were all called Evergreen and then had uh, different follow-ups or mascots, if you will. And then last year, they became Nova or Northern Virginia FC. Here's how they got here. Second qualifying round was where they had to enter as well. 
they beat Springville FC out of Virginia 2-0. Then they had to play Virginia United FC, uh, which is a team that's in the same league as them, and they uh, won 1-2 on the road, although maybe not a terribly long road trip. And then in the fourth and final qualifying round to get where they are now, they beat Districtonia football out of the D.C. area. Not sure what the score was there. But in any case, good luck to both, and then good luck in your second-round match against Richmond Kickers. And match number 10. We're done. Finally! Well, yes, person noob, finally, but make no mistake, we will not be done after number 10. We still have our three super fun bonus matches to do. But before we can do that, we do have one great match for Thursday. Number 10 comes to us from UEFA, and we're back on the women's side of the ball again, this time for Champions League. It is the quarterfinals for the ladies, and they are all getting ready to play the second leg of their home and away two-legged ties with their opponent and your opponents today facing off or this particular day VFL Wolfsburg from Germany taking on Arsenal women Uh, here's how the first leg went it was a draw for Arsenal 1-1 now it's important to remember that even a nil-nil draw would uh, or any draw would still send things to added extra time and then penalty kicks there is no away goals rule now in play that got removed just like it did on the men's side the winner are going to get to play either uh, Real Madrid or Barcelona. Two teams from the same league are getting drawn against one another for that. You can catch this on a service I'm not real familiar with, so I don't know if it's a broadcast streaming or both, but D-A-Z-N-U-S-A at 12.45 p.m. Now, first, we'll talk about the She-Wolves of Wolfsburg. Uh, Wolfsburg is in the north-central part of the country. It was Germany's ever-first planned city, and it was built basically for the auto workers there in Lower Saxony because this is where Volkswagen is headquartered. It's not a huge city, only about 125,000, but I know as recently as, uh, I think it was 2013, this was the most affluent city on average in the entire country. Funny-wise, they have won the Champions League title twice, both in 2013 and 14. They've also finished in second place three times, most recently the 2019-2020 iteration. Last year, they got as far as the quarterfinals before losing to a different English club in Chelsea. They entered this event at the second of two qualifying rounds. Uh, By virtue of the fact that they finished second place in their league instead of third, they got to skip the first one. They won group stage Group A to get here, but just barely. There was actually a three-way tie on points between three of the four teams in the group. Wolfsburg and Juventus both got to advance over Chelsea based on head-to-head goal differential. In group play, they had the best offense, scoring almost three goals per match, second best defense, and the overall best goal differential. Number one event score for them with nine already is... Uh, Tabia Wasmuth. She's a striker, 25 years old, with nearly 20 national team caps under her belt since 2020. And another key gal to look for, top 10 in assists, is Turid Nock. She's an attacking midfielder, 31 years old. She actually played a few games with Arsenal back in 2014. She was here on like a two- or a three-month loan uh, from uh, Bayer Leverkusen over in the Frauen Bundesliga in Germany. And she has made 16 national team appearances since 2018. Their current form, 11-2-0 for their goal differ, or for their record. Um, they score a ton. They don't play defense, but it's almost because they don't have to. They don't keep a lot of clean sheets, yet I'm not sure how much of a uh, weakness that really is because there doesn't always tend to be 
a lot of parity within women's football. So I'm not sure how much of a chance to give Arsenal, but let's talk about them. They qualified as the 2021-22 league third place finisher. By lieu of not finishing in the top two, they had to start all the way back at the first qualifying round here in the CL. In the group stage, they finished in uh, second place. Uh, They lost to Barcelona by nine points. They just ran away with it. They're really one of the world powers now. Uh, they beat Hoffenheim on head-to-head goal differentials, so they just uh, barely even finished in that second slot. Uh, they had the second-best offense and defense going in the group stage. They do tend to score pretty easily, but they give up a whole lot. They give up almost two goals per match as well. Uh, top 10 in event assists, and probably their all-around best player, really, is Beth Mead. She's a homegrown forward for them with uh, some experience, 34 national team appearances since 2018. And we do have a U.S. connection. Uh, USMNT star Tobin Heath plays over there. She is a winger for them, 33 years old now. Been there for a couple seasons, I believe, but she spent the heart of her career over in the NWSL with uh, Portland Thorns. And she is uh, kind of flirting with 200 national team caps for the U.S. since 2008. This team 6-4-0 in their last 10. Even though they're undefeated, like I said, I really have to give the give the edge to Wolfsburg here. They are world-class, whereas if Arsenal continue to improve, I think that they could get there in a year or two, but they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to learn to play some defense without sacrificing so much of that offense. Bring forth the bonus matches. Ah, perhaps my favorite part of the show. And why? Well, because you have had a large role in determining what the content was going to be. I scoured the globe for the various candidate matches for each of these quirky bonus ones. And you vote on Twitter. You can find those on Soccer Noob USA, usually on Tuesdays, maybe occasionally on Mondays if I've got it together. And the winners make the cut and magic content happens. It is sparkly. (laughs) Let's take... But an odd word for a match preview. Anyway, let's take a look at our first match. It's a first versus last place matchup that we call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And you have selected a Sunday match from the Liga Panamania Apertura. Yeah, they're in the opening stage for Panama's season. Uh, this is a pretty decent league down in Central America. They do get uh, three champion or not three Champions League berths, but three CONCACAF leagues berths, just like what we talked about earlier. Uh, no teams get relegated out of this league as, as things stand. That's not what they're doing uh, for viability's sake. Now, uh, the top three in each of the two divisions are also going to make the league playoffs. The division winners will go straight to the semifinals. And they're about halfway through this particular stage. And your matchup from the Western Division, number one, Atletico uh, Chiriqui. I don't think it's Chiriqui. I think the QUI is still just key. In any case, I'm always worried about getting pronunciations wrong. But it's hard to learn the entire planet all at once, people. Anyway, they are playing host to number six in the East Division, Arabe Unido. And even though they are in different divisions, yes, they play each other. And these truly are the best and worst overall teams in the league. Nothing less would do for you, Nubites, if I may refer to you as such. Here's how the tables stand. Uh, for Cherokee, they lead in the West uh, Independiente by two points currently, and they're actually also a point better than Alianza in the East. And then Arabe, they're basically tied uh, for last place over in their division with uh, 
or in the other division with San Francisco. They're, they're just as awful as this particular team. But here's the hope, and they can both improve. Uh, they trail number five in the East, Deportivo del Este by four. So even though there's no relegation, it's just fun to know how far they have to climb to get out of last place. We'll talk about your heavy favorites first. The uh, Pura Sangre, which I assume translates to pure bloods, if my Spanish from way back in my school days is any good at all. Uh, the city of uh, Chiriqui is in the far west. Uh, it's in the southern, it's in the south coast of the province. It's the third largest city in the country. It's got maybe 100,000 people. Very affluent area. Amongst other things, there's a lot of banking there, but then it's also diversified. Uh, climate's excellent for both uh, general growing ag agriculture and cattle, plus it's a port city on top of that. I don't know how exciting it would be to visit necessarily, but it sounds like this would be a, a somewhat fun and certainly safe place to go visit. The club was founded in 2002. Now, if you're a fan of Central American football, you might be saying to yourself, self, there was a team with a pretty similar name before that. I know, oh, imagine you're right. Yeah, making a bigger deal out of it than I should. Yes, there was a Chiriqui FC from 1995 to 2001. This is not that team. This team uh, came into being right after that, of course, and then they made Division One in 2005. Not sure what they've done for titles overall. I know that in 2010, uh, the country had a three-stage season, and they won the second of those. Uh, I'm unsure of any league successes they may or may not have had since 2011. I don't think they've won any stages, though. Uh, the 2021 Clausura stage, uh, they didn't do so well. They finished uh, fifth place in the West was all. So this is quite an improvement to say the least. It's not a very high scoring league, but they've got the number one offense going a little under one and a half per match. Uh, a little bit better than average defense overall for the league and uh, second best goal differential in the division. So I don't think that these guys are a runaway to get it, but it's nice to see some presumably uh, new fresh blood, pure blood or otherwise, kind of at the top. And as far as their current form, they're 2-1-0 in their last three. And now Arabe, they play out of the second biggest city in the country, that is uh, Cologne, which is nestled right up against the Panama Canal. It's on the Atlantic side, if you're kind of visualizing that down there. Uh, this was and perhaps is a pretty affluent city. Uh, it was home to a lot of the educated families in the, I think, the late 1800s and all through the 1900s, uh, for the most part, of West Indian heritage. Um, a lot of them did end up leaving, but the majority of the population still has uh, that heritage. Plus, uh, they have a lot of immigration now. They don't play favorites. And so they've been getting a lot of people from South Asia and a lot of people from Arabian countries, which explains clearly one of their three nicknames. They are the Blue Express, the Arabs, and the Fury. I think more fully the Fury from Cologne. Uh, they have 13 titles through 2016. I'm not quite sure about anything since then. Uh, they made the Champions League three different times for CONCACAF, uh, most recently 2016-17. As far as the most recent Clausura stage last year, uh, they finished in fifth place in the East. So uh, they didn't have really almost anywhere to go but up. And they have still somehow managed to go down. Uh, they can't win a game. That's basically the problem. They're 0-5-4 with just a 2-6 and six goal differential. They're playing small ball, and it is not effective at all. Two goals in something like nine matches is ridiculous. Their current form, uh, interestingly, they've lost two straight, but that's not the interesting part. That actually followed five straight draws, so what few points they have all came in a row. Could you be 
the most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. Ah, does she not have the voice of an angel? What a perfect way for her to lead us into the most meaningless match in the world. It pits two teams that are a whole long way from the top of their leagues and the glory of international births, but equally so far from the bottom of their leagues, from relegation and eternal shame for them and their descendants. The match you have voted for is a Saturday match from Cuba. Ooh, of all places. I was impressed, Nubites. Love it. The Primera División is the top league there, and they are in their apertura stage. It is most definitely a semi-pro at most, probably amateur. My understanding is that truly professional sports and athletes have been banned uh, from having that status in the country all the way back to uh, 1961. Therefore, when it comes to international competition, I have to assume that it, the champion goes to the Caribbean Club Shield, which is the lesser of two tournaments for the professional teams of the Caribbean. There's a different one. Either one can lead to the CONCACAF League and then the CONCACAF Champions League. There is no relegation from this league, just the shame of finishing in last place. And you have two shots at it with this league because it is two eight-team divisions. Uh, they're about halfway through the stage right now. And as a side note, the division winners will also get to go to uh, the league playoff final. Your matchup from Group B, number four, Guantanamo, versus number B, Grandma. Well, I should probably pronounce it Grandma or something to sound a little bit more authentic. And I assure you, it does not have probably anything to do with your uh, old and wise Nana. We'll find out a little bit more about them shortly. In terms of the table, Guantanamo, uh, they're just a point ahead of Grandma. They're in the forgotten part of the mid-table. Guantanamo trailed number one Santiago de Cuba by just four points, but Obviously, they've got some teams to leapfrog if they want to make the playoffs. And then Granma, in turn, they lead last place in their division, number eight, Sancti Spiritus, by 10. Sounds holy, but they are uh, just uh, dreadfully awful. Let's talk about Guantanamo first. Their nickname, uh, I don't want to say it perplexed me, but I've got to stretch a little bit here uh, about the definition. Uh, they're called Los del Guaso. Now, Guaso means cool. But there was something I read that led me to believe that it could have something to do specifically with cool waters. And then, a little bit tangentially, uh, in support of that, uh, the word Guantanamo from the uh, Taino language actually means between two rivers. So they seem to be very geographically prominent there. In any case, uh, both the city and the province are on the far east-southeast end of the country. Uh, yes, this is the general area where the naval base is, although technically it's not in the city or town of Guantanamo. It is in Caimanera, which is uh, just a little fishing village right there. Uh, on the you know as a port, uh, this area, the city proper, has well over two hundred thousand people, but it's still an agricultural area largely for its economy. A lot of sugarcane and a lot of wool. Footy wise, two thousand nineteen twenty, that was the last season they held. Uh, this team did not take part, as a number of them didn't, probably due to COVID, in the Clausura stage. But in the Apertura stage, they finished number six. The Clausura stage only had ten of the clubs. Uh, they uh, this year 
have uh, slightly below average offense. The defense is top three in their division, though. Uh, Group A, by the way, just so you know, looks like it's a lot better in that they score a lot more. I think there's a lot more talent in Group A, making this match all the more meaningless. This team's current form, uh, they've only lost one of their last seven, interestingly, but they lost the first two of their stage. So they've had themselves a... uh, a big hill to climb to try to get out of meaninglessness range and have not managed it yet. And now your visitors, Granma, they are known as the Inconsibles. Inconsible, I believe in Spanish means tireless. So tireless one seems like a pretty good direct translation. Uh, the club name doesn't refer to your Nana, as I mentioned. What I found out, and this was a piece of history I didn't know, is that when Castro uh, took his uh, first or primary uh boat expedition to Cuba. He did it on a yacht, and that was the name of the yacht. And so now it is also the name of this club, which is probably not named really directly after the yacht per se, but after the uh, province in which it is, because Granma is a province. The town that they play in is Bayamo, which is on the east end of the country as well, but it's on the western coast. It's got about a quarter million people. Uh, The defendants of the founder of this particular city uh, fought for U.S. annexation from 1820 all through 1900. I'd had no idea that Cuba had wanted to be part of the U.S. And quite frankly, uh, for the cuisine alone, you know, forget the politics, for the cuisine alone, I say, stop making them take boats here. Let's let them in if they still want it. It's been a while, I think, since they've pushed for that, though. Um, Footy-wise, at least as of 2012, they haven't won any league titles. Uh, I know they finished in second place in 2002. That might be the best that they've ever done. Uh, 2019-2020, uh, they did participate in the Clausura stage, but they finished all the way down in eighth place. Uh, statistically, it is a wonder why they are not doing better. They are tied for number one on offense. Now, this is not a high-scoring division, as I mentioned, and they're tied with three other teams. So you kind of have to leave that in that perspective. But I think, unless I misdid my note, I know it's good, but I've got a note here that says they've got the number one defense and number one overall goal differential. So who knows? This is a team that could uh, possibly make a climb. Uh, Those efforts uh, took a little bit of a kick, though, because as far as their current form, they just suffered a home loss to a really good team. They needed a result against Ciego de Avila, and that broke a 3-1-0 stretch that they were having. And now for your third and final bonus match, match number 13, if you've been keeping track for the show. An appropriate number for two teams that are anything but lucky or good. This is the match of... Disappointed! And the match that you have voted for, which pits two basically last place teams against one another, comes to us from Madagascar, the pro league there. They will be playing on Saturday. This is a league that is unranked in Africa. Not that that's too weird. They only rank maybe a little bit less than two-thirds of the team teams in the in the confederation, the league associations, I should say. A lot of them, the clubs just don't get enough international play to warrant or really even be given a ranking per se. Now, as far as the league play here goes, uh, it's made up of two eight-team divisions and the top four teams from each division will make the playoffs. The singular bottom team from each of the two divisions will be relegated. And this is the very last match of the regular season, which has been a double round robin. And the match, it is number eight, last place in the North Division, five. Maybe it's Five, but I 
think it's probably just the number. Five. Five FC. That's it. And they are playing second to last place. Also in the north, J.E.T. Quintana. Here's how the table stands. Uh, J.E.T. lead five by five, appropriately. When they played earlier this season, uh, J.E.T. only managed a 1-1 draw at home, which in a way is surprising, but on the other hand, it's not exactly like uh, this Quintana team is exactly setting the world on fire. Let's talk about the last place losers first. Five. Uh, they play out of the capital city in the country, which... Uh, for uh, Colonials, they always shortened it in English to uh, Tana, but the Malagasy full name is Antananarivo. Now, last year, oh, how the mighty have fallen. They won the North Division. What happened? Maybe they had one or two more, and they were like seven FC, and now that they're only five, they're much worse. Okay, that's probably not it, and that's dumb. But it's my show, and I amuse me. So that's okay. <laughs> uh, but as a harbinger of things to come, when they won the North Division last year and went to the playoffs, it was only a four-team playoff at the time, and they finished last place in that particular group. This year, they've only won one game. They are 1-4-8. and eight. No surprise, because they have the worst offense by far, barely scoring over a, game, a goal on average every other game, and their defense isn't much better. Team's current form, they have lost three straight, and their goal differential over that stretch, a puny and putrid 1-7. and seven. And now J-E-T, uh, J.E.T. Quintana, which I keep wanting to just say Jet Quintana. Maybe they even do that way. I don't know. But the J.E.T. is an acronym. The full name of the club right now is June Etoile de Tana Quintana, which is really weird. And I'm going to make fun of it because the first half is French. Second half is uh, Malagasy, the uh, uh, main original uh, indigenous language there on Madagascar. That's not the part that I'm making fun of, though. Uh, Quintana means Southern Star. And Jeune Etoile, I believe, means young star. So it's like young star of this city, southern star. Something's got to be lost in this translation mashup because that's just terrible. It makes no sense at all. Maybe they'll get straightened out. No excuses, but they are a new club in a manner of speaking. It was founded in uh, just January of last year, uh, but it's not like they don't have history as an organization. It's a merger between uh, two previous top flight teams, ASJET Mata, and a club that was simply called Quintana FC. Rather than come up with a new short name that made sense, they went with that. Maybe they could have learned something from five. Maybe they could have been two or something like that. No, they're better. They could have been eight or nine. Yeah, I'm not letting that go. Last year, they finished number three in the North, so this is a bit of a slide for them. Uh, they are two, six, and five on the season. That's the most draws in the division, so that's really what's been holding them back. But all said, as bad as they are, they're not anywhere near as bad as 5FC is. Uh, their offense has been below average by quite a bit. They've only been managing one goal per match. Uh, the defense is uh, better, but only marginally. As far as this team's form, they just beat USCA foot to snap a two-match losing streak that uh, basically is the reason that five is guaranteed to be relegated and JET will be safe for at least one more season until they decide probably next year to suck again. And believe it or not, yeah, that's how we end the show. That's it. They suck again. Seems kind of appropriate, don't you think? As weird as this show can get sometimes. Anyway, rather than wishing them good luck, let's send them off in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. Boo. Is there something else you need to know? 
I, I can bring Statler and Waldorf back. Yeah, that's the end of the show. Yeah, you can go back to listening to, you know, more information that isn't nearly as hopefully weirdly funny. You know, uh, you know, a State of the Union with Alexi Lawless or MLS Extra Time or something. Yeah, they know their stuff. Good shows. Thanks for popping in. See you in a few days.